Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I'm beyond excited to host today's episode. With me today is Pastor Matt Pyland, Executive Pastor of Bethlehem Church. Pastor Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Angela. It's great to be with you. It is so great to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what, as an executive pastor, what you do at Bethlehem. Yeah, executive pastor, very fancy title. Uh, So let me explain what that means. Uh, First of all, my primary responsibility here at Bethlehem Church is to uh, to really to oversee the staff and ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so leadership, uh, development, uh, I really pour into our staff from a leadership standpoint. Right. Um, I, I really say that I'm like a pastor to the staff mm-hmm. and then also serve as a teaching pastor here right. and then announcements occasionally. <laughs> That's an important job. Very important. The announcements. No doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. So tell us a little bit about as the executive pastor and and staffing and dealing with staff, um, would you say what's the biggest part of your job? What's the most important part of your job that you need to know about? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I love about my job is the relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've talked about this before. You've heard me, Angela, say this to our staff, that relationships are important. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's the, one of the most important words uh, in the English language mm-hmm. um, or really any language. And we tend to think that love is, uh, that love is like the most important word. But the reality is uh, relationships are like the track that Hmm. love uh, rides on. Hmm. And so relationships are something that none of us can get away from, uh, even though we try to bury our head in the sand. And uh, sometimes, especially the introverts who are listening would like to isolate themselves. Right. Uh, Occasionally, we all need to be around people. Right. We were created for relationships. Correct. Correct. And we all want to have healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. And the the truth is, uh, whether it be because of the choices that we've made or whether the choices that others have made and how that affects us, uh, not all of our relationships relationships are healthy and not all of us ourselves are healthy. Right. And so that's important to to pay attention. So when it comes to the staff, uh, I really do my best to pour into them uh, in mm-hmm. four areas. You know, we, we talk about four areas of leadership, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And those four dynamics, I think, are important to everyone's leadership. And that is the that's the primary thing I do. Right, right. So knowing yourself, I've, I read the quote, Knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. I think Socrates said that. I'm, I'm, if I'm sounds good. Socrates. Sounds good. I think uh, we we uh, that's that's who I read uh, said that. So knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. So how do you think um, knowing yourself helps you to become the best person, the person that God created you to be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, one of the things that I have always said is uh, knowing yourself is equally important as knowing God. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, go back to what you said at the very beginning, that God created us, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that God created us in his own image. Right. So God God fashioned our souls. He created us. Uh, we have intrinsic value because we are, um, we are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so our personalities, our wiring, 
brings, who we are uh, from, a, from a genetic standpoint, but also uh, really uh, how we have learned to adapt to the environment around us is, is how God has created us. Right. Now, I think what can end up happening is that we can become unhealthy in a sense, that mm-hmm. over time, because of our childhood, uh, because of something that was done to us, because of experiences that we've had, again, choices that we made, uh, that we become unhealthy individuals and mm-hmm. we don't know who we are. Right. So therefore, we can't be in healthy relationships with others because we are not a healthy person. Right. And so we end up putting on these different masks and we wonder, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, who am I really? Right. And I don't think a lot of people really know the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that you hear a lot? That a lot of people say that, that, that you hear that, I don't know why I do the things I do. Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, I've done a lot of counseling, been a pastor for over 20 years. That's a big part uh, of your job. Yeah, yeah. big mm-hmm. part of my job, counseling, whether it be staff or whether it be others. Right. And it's something I really enjoy. I mean, I really enjoy people. I'm a people person. And one of the things that I hear often is normally when people come to see the pastor, uh, it's because they've arrived at a destination they don't want to be at. Uh-oh. Most people don't show up, <laughs> knock on the door, say, hey, I want to get an appointment with the pastor, mm. and I want to tell you how good my marriage is. Right. Uh, most people, the reason why they're reach- reaching out to a pastor is because they're in a place that they don't want to be. Gotcha. And oftentimes what I end up hearing is, I don't know why I said what I said. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I did what I did. Yeah. Or I looked at what I looked at, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. Or I don't know why I am the way that I am. They am the yeah. yes, absolutely. The short answer to that is you made a choice, and I make choices. Right. The long answer to that is you made a choice because of a lot of variables in your life. Mm-hmm. You made a choice because of your upbringing. You mm-hmm. made a choice of uh, because of what you have allowed to grow in your soul or your mind, okay. your, your heart. And all these things contribute to who we are. In fact, Scripture says uh, we reap what we sow, sow right? <clears throat> right? And so that's true for all of us. Where we put our time, attention, and affection, uh, those are the areas of our lives that, that grow. Right. And so if those things are healthy, then obviously what we see is a, is a healthy fruit, a healthy crop grow in our spirit. But if, yeah. if we are growing in things in our lives, if we are giving our time and attention to things that are unhealthy, then we shouldn't be surprised when our reactions and our relationships and the things that we do are not healthy. Right, right. So how would you, this is a little bit of an off script question, how much would you say is we're hard, hardwired? Is in, you know, our personalities, you know, how much would you say of us is hardwired and how much would you say is choice? Yeah, I mean, I think it's there. It's a both-and approach. Mm-hmm. Obviously, right. we... Because we hear all the different opinions out there. Absolutely, and, you know, absolutely. There, there are some of us who, for sure, uh, who environment has affected... Uh, the lens that we see things through. It, right. it has affected our um, our worldview, if you would. Mm-hmm. Now, what we always should fight for is a biblical worldview. Right. Right. No matter what home we were raised in, uh, no matter what we were introduced to as a follower of Christ, we should always fight for a biblical worldview. Well, right. that comes from Scripture. And so I think that's part of the hard work. Mm-hmm. But you and I do have some things genetically in us that are hardwired that I believe that God created us yes. uniquely. Yeah. And so it kind of goes back to the old the old quote, you know, um, don't try to be somebody uh, that you're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, be be who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Everybody who else God is already taken. Everybody yeah. else is already taken. Right? Right, right. Be who God created you to be. Exactly. That's a great perspective. I love. I love that. That's so. It's balanced. It's biblical. 
it's, you know, we are wired, but we also have choices that God gave us. Absolutely. And let me say something about that because I think that's really good. Uh, You know, most people do assume that they know who they are. Right. uh, But in my experience, a lot of people don't know who they are. Right. Because to know who you are takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. In fact, it takes a lot of introspection, takes a lot of emotion. Uh, it forces you to deal with things in your past right. that you that you quite frankly don't want to deal with. Right. Um, there, there are things that contributed to you being who you are right. uh, that you, you don't have to revisit in your life. And right. so all those are factors mm-hmm. in why you see the world the way that you see it, why you act the way that you are, yeah. uh, how you relate to your kids may be a direct result of how your parents related to you. Absolutely. And so those things creep in and then you have this thought, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just like my yeah. mom or my mom <laughs> said this, right? I'm turning into my parents. <laughs> uh, and and there's, a, there's a reason for that right. because all that stuff's important. But, but here's what I found to be true. Mm-hmm. Most people assume that they... Uh, they they know who they are, but but actually, here's the reality: we uh, we assume and we project our emotions and our feelings mm. on other people. Okay. And the reason why we do this is because it's easier to explain what's going on in us mm-hmm. uh, without having to do the hard work of dealing with why we feel the way that we feel. Right. And so it's easier for me to to blame others mm-hmm. and to to say. The reason why I feel the way I do is because of what they have done to me or said to me. Right. And while that may be true, because there there are definitely you know times when people do things to us and it's hurtful, the reality is most most of us, self-denial is human nature's way of explaining what we feel without getting to the why, why we feel what we feel. Right. That's good. That's good. So most people assume that they know who they are. Uh, how would you say, what's a good way to maybe call that into question? How would you call someone to kind of go deeper or what's a, what are some tools? Yeah, I'd say again, go, go back to their, that's a great question. So let me go back to what we talk about with in leadership here, Mm -hmm. you know, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. I think for a lot of people, um, they're good in one area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not good in all the areas. Sure. So I know a lot of people who are really good in the strength area, the body, mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Like they're physically healthy people. Uh, they work out a lot, maybe obsessive about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eat healthy. They really work on the body. Mm-hmm. But when I look at their spirit, they're unhealthy. Right, right. When I look at their heart, they're unhealthy. Yeah. There are some people that uh, do a lot of hard work on their soul, do a lot of hard work on their heart, their spirit. Sure but they're physically unhealthy people. Mm-hmm. I think all four dimensions are very, very important when we talk about our, our leadership and our spiritual journey. Right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart soul, soul, mind, mind and, and strength. strength. <laughs> and yeah. those, four, those four components are very, very important to pay attention to. Right. So, you know, what I try to do in my area, and don't always do a great job, sure. uh, you know, I wish we're human. We are. Right. We're yeah. human. Every, you know, Pastor Jason would say the same thing. Just we because we're pastors spots. doesn't mean we're perfect. Sure. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I try to do is progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for all the, the perfectionists out there, and we'll get to that in a second, right? That's hard. <laughs> right. But, but progress. Okay. And I think a lot of people are in the sense of their spiritual journey are like, you know, they're, they're looking for perfection. Mm-hmm. And I think I would say progress. Right. Progress. So, what does that mean? Spiritually speaking, waking up in the morning um, and spending time with the Lord. You know, for me, it's on my back porch. So, mm-hmm. I'll give you a snapshot. For mm-hmm. me, same chair, back porch. 
And in the winter, I grab a blanket, mm -hmm. but I, I sit out there and in the morning, so I, I spend time with the Lord. I read my Bible. Uh, I pray. Right. Um, when I read my Bible, there's there's really a few things that I do. Read, think, pray, live. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. I read, I think, what is the Bible saying? What does it say to me? Uh, I pray about it, and I try to live it. Right. And so those, those, those components are very important to the spiritual journey. Uh, I write down things that the Lord is telling me. Mm -hmm. I pray for specific people and uh, specific things in my life and ministry. Um, I, I read a chapter a day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and they, they said, you read a lot of books, you, you must be a reader. I'm not really a reader in the sense that I don't necessarily really enjoy reading, yeah. but I know how important it is right. to my mind. Go back to, you know, heart, soul, mind, strength. I know right. how important that is to my mind. And so I've conditioned myself to read at least a chapter a day. Mm-hmm. So that sets the trajectory of my day mm -hmm. so that I can be a healthy person. Right. And when I'm a healthy person and I'm walking in a healthy way, then my interactions with others are going to be healthy. Right, right. And so what you're really talking about is, is self-awareness and, you know, calling people, calling staff or whoever you're working with as a pastor, calling people into a deeper level of self-awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I, I, one, of the th one of my favorite things that learning as, as a staff member here at Bethlehem Church and some of the tools that we've used and that you've introduced us to is the Enneagram. And yeah. so I've enjoyed this so much. I love uh, kind of, you know, learning these personality tests and learning about how we're wired and the different ways we interact with one another. So tell us a little bit about the Enneagram. Yeah, one of my favorite tools. And again, it's a tool, okay? Uh, for those of you who are like, I don't remember reading that in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's a tool. Right. Uh, the Enneagram really answers three basic questions, mm -hmm. okay? So, and there are questions that we all ask. Uh, the first is identity. Yeah. Who am I? We all ask that question, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who has God created me to be? You know, why am I here? You mm -hmm. know, what part do I play? I mean, the, the, that is very important. So yeah. it helps identify that. The second is purpose. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, why am I here? You know, I mean, again, yeah. why am I here? Like, you know, God placed me here for such a time as this. That's what scripture says. But but why am I here? Right. You know, where do I fit in the narrative? Where do I fit in the story? Mm -hmm. uh, what part do I play? And so the third one is belonging. So where do I fit in? Um, and, and here's how I like to think about that, because we all want to know, like, where do we belong? How do I fit in? And when I think about belonging, I always go back to when I was a uh, freshman in high school. Right. Uh, just to give you a little context, we moved from Louisiana to Virginia when mm -hmm. I was a freshman. And I didn't know anybody. So you're starting off at a brand new high school. You don't know anybody. And I remember a moment of anxiety that came upon me yeah. uh, when it was lunchtime and I was getting my food. And I was uh, going through the line. Yes. And I, I turned around after I paid, and I looked out in the sea of students, and I didn't know anybody. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and here's what I thought is, where do I fit in? Right. Where do I belong? Yes. And that's the question that we often ask in life. And so mm -hmm. we ask that as, as, a, as a teenager, uh, as a kid, where do I fit in? Who are my friends? Who are the people who are like me? Right. And, and here's the problem with that. We'll actually adjust in order to fit in. So mm -hmm. we will gravitate to unhealthy relationships. We'll gravitate to unhealthy yes. uh, friendships just because they will accept us. Exactly. And, and that's where we need to know where uh, we belong. Where do where do we fit in? Okay. Okay. So how how does the Enneagram help us do that? 
And why would you say, uh, this is maybe a two-part question. Uh, so yeah, answer that one first. How does the Enneagram help us to do that? Yeah, well, the again, the Enneagram is a tool. Mm-hmm. And so let me kind of explain how that tool works. Right. Um, there, there's nine different personality types or wirings in the world. Okay. And the Enneagram is really, it, it's it's an ancient uh, really understanding of, of that they say can actually goes all the way back to almost to, to Plato. Wow. And so it's, it has a contemporary uh, style to it now Okay. to explain, but basically there are nine different personalities, nine different wirings in this world. Mm-hmm. And when you start getting an understanding that there are nine and you start seeing yourself or who you are and you mm-hmm. start seeing others, it starts making sense because how many of us haven't asked a question why don't they think the way that I think? Right. Why don't they see the world the way that I see it? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason why is because they are not like you. Yeah. God created them differently. Yeah. They see the world differently than you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and thank goodness, right? Because if we all saw the world the same way, uh, that that would be a problem, you sure. know? Um, but so uh, there's a uniqueness in all of us, mm-hmm. I guess. And, um, you know, what is, I guess this is what I expect. What is the underlying motivation mm-hmm. that leads you to make decisions and see things the way you see them? Okay. So what is the was the personal calling, the underlying motivation? So you want to dive into them? Sure. Yeah. All right. So these nine basic types. All right. So if you're if you're listening uh, and, and you want to dig deeper into this, we'll, we'll, we're going to give you a real quick snapshot, and then then you can look this up and you can spend more time uh, with it. So nine types. Uh, type one, the perfectionist. Right. All right. The, we know who all those people are on our staff. Uh, <laughs> some of me. you are. Some not of you are raising your hand. Right. <laughs> right now, you're listening. You're like, oh, or you're thinking about your uh, your spouse or somebody that you knew. No. So the perfectionists. That's right. type one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're ethical. Uh, they're dedicated. They're reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often say they typically are bankers and accountants and people like that. Okay. Um, you know they they keep us. From an organizational standpoint, they keep us out of jail. Yes. Right? Because yes. they're detail oriented. Um, <laughs> uh, they're, they desire to live the right way. Uh, they want to improve the world. And here's the thing they want to avoid fault and blame. Okay. They want to avoid fault in the way. They, they hate making mistakes. Right. They want to do things perfectly, right. and they don't understand why other people don't do things the way that they yes. do them. Yes, I have um, a child who is a one. <laughs> yes, and if you blame a if you blame a one, or you have to call out a one, right? Uh, watch out. Yeah, uh, because they they take it very very personally. I, re- I read in another book. There's a perfectionist, and they're called different. It depends on which book you're reading, but they have different titles. And this one is also called the Righteous One. <laughs> right. That's 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 a perfect title for that. Right. And so if you're, if you're listening, you might go, hey, I'm, the, I'm a perfectionist. It's the way you see the world, right. okay? This, that's your wiring. Uh, the second one uh, is the helper. Mm-hmm. And I love helpers uh, because they're warm, they're caring, they're giving. Yeah. Uh, they're motivi- motivated by a need to love others and be needed. Yes. So helpers want to be needed. Uh, they want to, uh, to avoid acknowledging their own needs, typically, and so really what they do, and oh. this is the danger mm-hmm. of, of helpers, is they typically want to help others, but they don't spend the time helping themselves right, and caring right. for themselves. They so feel they, like they, that's they, selfish. Correct. Yeah. They can be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're motivated by being able to, to help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That, that is their underlying motivation. Yeah. Um, they make great caregivers. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. The, the problem is they can exhaust themselves you know, because they're too busy caring for other people. Um, right. hel- helpers can get in very unhealthy relationships. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, very easy for them to do that because they, they can even enter relationships going, I can help, I can change this person. Mm-hmm. A- and that's the danger of, of a helper. Okay. So uh, the third one would be the performer. Okay. Okay. Uh, Success-oriented, image-conscious, uh, wired for productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are motivated by a need to be or appear to be successful and to avoid failure. In other words, these are the people uh, that are the major achievers. They're the workaholics. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that can't turn it off at night. Yeah. It's always go, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. They tend to be... Uh, they tend to see themselves in an unhealthy way as the center of the universe. Mm. Uh, and so in other words, they are, the world is a stage and they are playing the lead part. <laughs> and everybody else is the cast and everybody supporting else is characters. The, correct. <laughs> everybody else is there to support and to help them. Right. But performers typically uh, are the people that are, uh, you know, running very large businesses. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times they're entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, they're very successful people sure. uh, by nature. Can be very, very unhealthy people as well. Mm. Gotcha. Um, and so uh, the the fifth one would be, or the fourth one would be. Yeah, the, don't skip me, uh, yeah, Matt. I don't want to skip on. you. I know who you are. Uh, number four, the uh, the romantic. Okay, the romantic, the creative, uh, sensitive uh, by nature. Yep. Uh, very expressive through yep. words, through creativity. Uh, they also can be very moody. I'm not calling you out, Angela. I'm not saying that's you, uh, by all means. But my um, husband might agree with that okay. assessment. Well, I'll let him. I'll let him say that, not me. Uh, they are motivated by need to be understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, experience the oversized feelings um, and avoid being ordinary. Right. Okay. So these are the people. When you you know that that want to be different, right? There's also the individualist. It's called the individualist, and so they want you know we fours want to kind of stand out and again, like you said, avoid being ordinary. Absolutely, so they're high, they're they're artsy, they're creative. They have to express that creativity through uh, some sort of medium. Yep. Uh, if not, they struggle. Yes. And a lot of times, their feelings are real high and real low. Yep. And that's the way they operate. Yep. And uh, number five is, uh, the investigator. Okay. So this is what my wife is actually. She's cool. an investigator. So analytical, uh, tend to be detached and private. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be more of a, uh, introvert than extrovert. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are motivated by need to, to gain knowledge. Um, and they are very, uh, intelligent. They think about all of the, uh, the different ways to accomplish something. Right. Uh, what an investigator will walk into a room and they will sit down and they will wonder, they'll know how many ways there is to get out of that room just in case everything goes <laughs> down. Uh, if somebody comes in and tries to blow things up, like they've already got a plan. Yeah, like they're they, thinking ahead. They see the exits. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they are, they're, there are a few steps ahead of everybody else usually. Wow. And, but they're also, it, what's interesting is they are, um, they conserve their energy. Mm-hmm. So my wife is like this. Yeah. Uh, they they plan out their day mm-hmm. and they know I need this much energy. They bank their energy for their schedule. Mm-hmm. They're very organized people. But the the thing about an uh, investigator, once their tank is empty, it's empty. Right. It is empty. Right. And so when I tell my wife that, hey, I forgot to tell you I have a meeting tonight, mm-hmm. that throws her off because she didn't plan on it. Right. Now she, she has it in her schedule. She's thinking about it. She can plan for it. Yeah. And so that typically is what fives look like. Yes. Um, sixes, real quick. Uh, six is the loyalist, uh, committed. Uh, they're highly committed. 
Uh, they're practical. They're witty. Uh, they're also kind of the worst case scenario thinkers. Okay. Uh, bankers can also be sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, our CFO, Brad Carter, he's a six. So uh, they're, um, they're motivated by fear and the need for security. Mm-hmm. And they keep us safe. And they're great friends. Yeah. I mean, sixes are very loyal, yeah. even to a fault. But they are very pleasant people to be around. Right. And um, again, the part, part of their motivation is fear. So they're very conservative by nature, usually. Okay. Uh, sevens. Sevens are the enthusiasts. The life of the party. The life of the party. <laughs> they are fun. Uh, they're spontaneity. They have spontaneity. They're mm-hmm. adventurous. Uh, they're motivated by need to be happy. Mm-hmm. They always want to be happy. They avoid pain. Uh, right. They they uh, turn that that part of their compartmentalize that part of their world, and so they avoid it at all costs. Right. They don't want to think about things that are gonna that that are gonna bring them down off of the high they typically live their life yeah. uh, in. Um, you know they like to have uh, to fun at at really they 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 again life of the party would be a great way to say it. Mm-hmm. When they come into the room. Everybody knows who the sevens yep. are. So for those of you listening, you know our staff. We'll have a little fun. I'll tell you who our sevens are. Jeremy Curtis is a seven. No. Shocker. <laughs> Shane Crow is a seven. I know that's a surprise uh, to everybody, but that's just that's just two sevens. Right. And we always say to our sevens on staff, like, we have to have them around. Things yes. get too serious. Yes. If... There aren't any sevens. So true. Now, that if there are too many sevens in this room, you're no, not going to do nothing anything. Gets done. But they're the most relational, typically, <laughs> right. uh, of all the numbers. They're they're high extroverts. Yes. Uh, they yeah. are not introverts. Uh, they are a lot of fun to be around. So, uh, awesome. type eight. These are actually some of my favorite people. I'm married to an eight. You're married to an eight. <laughs> uh, the challenger. Okay, so uh, we can name some names on our staff just for fun who are the, um, the, the challengers, but uh, they're commanding, mm-hmm. uh, they're intense, they're confrontational, Yep. Uh, they are motivated by a need to be strong uh, and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. Yep. They, are, uh, they like to go in and blow things up. <laughs> they like to, um, uh, I don't know if I can say this, uh, th- there's obviously healthy and unhealthy versions of this. Sure. Uh, our current president would be an eight. Oh, so I know that'd be a shocker, okay. right? So uh, unhealthy eights, this is the way I say, if there's a hostage situation, this is the way unhealthy eights handle things. If there's a hostage situation and they say, we have we have some hostages in here and we have, uh, we, we have um, some shooters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Eights would typically, unhealthy eights, here's, what they, here's how they would end a situation like that. They, they would throw three grenades in the room and kill everybody. <laughs> And then okay. they would just say, hey, it's, it's, it's no problem longer a problem solved. anymore. Right. And you're like, well, the collateral damage, though. So yes. that's that's yes. unhealthy eights. Right. But here's why I love eights. Eights take uh, take the mountain. Those, yeah. those are eights. Yes. They, they're, they're much like the threes. They achieve right. a lot. Right. Um, your husband would be a good example of yes. this. You know, entrepreneurs a lot of times are eights. Yeah. Uh, they're very direct. Yep. Uh, they're very honest. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if, if there, for some of us in our personality wirings, we think, why are you yelling at us? And they're, they're like, or why do you hate us? And right. they're like, I don't hate you. I love you. That's why I'm speaking to you the way I was right. like, it doesn't feel that way. That, that would be eight. So let me just say this real Very quick. Good. Uh, you would just have some fun. So Joel Goddard would be, uh, an eight yes. on our staff. Um, and there are others who yep. are eights. I won't name all, uh, but he would be the most well-known. He's a very healthy eight. He's a very healthy eight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'll let him tell you if he's always been a healthy eight in his life, but 
Uh, he is in hell. Right. And I love eights. I mean, I, when yeah. I mean this, I mean they're my favorite numbers. So, yeah. I, you know, eights. Here's the way I say: it. if if you are in the inner circle of eights, they will they will fight and die for you. It is true. They will fight. The, you it you want to be in the foxhole with an eight. Yeah. And that's why I love because they're very honest and they are leaders. Yes. They are absolute leaders. Yep. Uh, eights are so. Number nine. Number nine. The most important number <laughs> on the Enneagram, because it's my number, uh, the peacemakers. Yeah. The peacemakers are the pleasant or mediator, depending on which book you read. Okay. Uh, they're pleasant. They're laid back. They're accommodating. Uh, they're motivated by need to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe peacemakers may have grown up in a home with two eights. Right. And so they learned, I better keep the peace here or mm. things are going to blow up. Wow. Um, they, they tend to merge with other, um, with other numbers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, around an eight, they might act like an eight or one. They can act like a one. But here's the thing about uh, peacemakers is they understand mm-hmm. everybody's um, way of viewing the world. Interesting. And so what a peacemaker can do, a, number, a nine, is mm-hmm. a nine will say, I know why you are thinking the way you're thinking. I can, they put themselves in the yeah. position of others, and hmm. they, can, they can absolutely identify with all of the numbers. Right, and have empathy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So nines typically are mediators. So yeah. being a nine on our staff, mm-hmm. uh, I do a lot of mediation. So mm-hmm. I come between two opposing views, and I mediate. Okay. I do that a lot. They're, they're also very good problem solvers because they can see every angle. They can see every situation, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they are by nature do not enjoy conflict. Right. And they tend to avoid conflict in ways. So that, that's real quick. That's just, that's just the numbers, uh, the different wirings that you we did all a, find ourselves. Well, and that's you did such a great job. And of course, I'm I'm wanting to jump in and and ask all these questions. Um, you mentioned briefly, and we I think we'll talk about this in our. We're going to make this a two part episode because we've talked about so many great things, and now we've got so many more questions. But you talked about strengths and like healthy numbers versus uh, not so healthy. Right. So give us a little bit, a little. Um, tell, maybe talk about that for just a second about, you know, how you can be a healthy version of yourself and an unhealthy version. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is why I love the Enneagram. And that's, I mean, again, it's a tool and there are a lot of great tools out there, personality wiring types, but the Enneagram is is not, uh, static, it's dynamic. Right. And so again, it it actually explains the healthy version of you acting in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and you acting in an unhealthy way. Right. Uh, so for example, uh, a peacemaker when they are healthy. So if I'm healthy, uh, I act like a healthy three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a healthy three would be that that performer, that right. high achiever. Um, they're they're going to achieve a lot of things. They, they have more energy when they're healthy. Uh, when I'm not healthy mm-hmm. as, a, as a nine, I go to a unhealthy six, mm-hmm. which is that loyalist. It is fear-based. It is everybody's out to get me. It's chicken little. The world is falling apart. And what am I going to do? Right, right. So like that's the dynamic of mm-hmm. that Right. is that there is an unhealthy version. So go back to an eight. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned it. It was a great, it was a great point. Um, an unhealthy eight blows things up, but a, a healthy eight... Uh, can achieve unbelievable things. Right. I mean, greatness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it determines, you know. So it it's determined by how healthy that you are. Right. Okay. And so the way that the the books would explain it is when you're under stress, mm-hmm. good, bad, like what comes out of you when you're under stress. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're a four and you're under stress, what does that look like? Gosh. Do we really have to get into no, that? No, we don't. That's the that's the third episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the third episode in this. That may need to come with a warning. But we could talk about this yeah. uh, as we continue on next week. But every number actually has a healthy and unhealthy version right. of it. And then this is this is the fascinating part. Here's why you need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. You got to know how you're wired. You got to know how God created you, and you also need to understand who your spouse is. Right. Because your spouse may be speaking a language to you that you are not understanding. Yes. And you're speaking a language that they are understand are not understanding. And it was unbelievably healthy for my marriage with Lindsay and I. Mm-hmm. And we already had good marriage and things were going. But when we understood the way she sees things and the way I see them, right, that helped us so much in our relationship and our communication. Right. Well, and that's what we are going to continue with in our next episode, because we would love to talk about the wings. We never got a chance Absolutely. to talk about wings and, and how each number has a wing, uh, which is kind of the, the side number, and how each number interacts with each other. So we're going to talk about that next time. But thank you so much, Pastor Matt, for your time and for this great conversation. It was very enlightening. We are going to post some links. Uh, Tell us about the book that has really been beneficial for you. Yeah, about four years ago, I got my hands on The Road Back to You Mm -hmm. uh, by Ian Cron. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's probably the most famous book around the Enneagram. Uh, It's the one that most people are probably going to uh, these days. There are many books around it. Again, it's it's kind of ancient, but if you would grab that book Mm -hmm. and you would read that book, it has the potential to change you and your relationships. Okay, that's awesome. So we're going to post that link with this episode so you can check that out. Again, Pastor Matt, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.